Hey, this is Barry, and you're listening to I Live the 90s, Alan and Brian. And now it's time for the Decade of the 90s favorite segment, Sponsored Not Sponsored. On those occasions where you need to make a big splash, there's the Super Soaker 100. It has a powerful air pressure system, a range of up to 60 feet, and a drenching spray. The Super Soaker 100, it's a water gun of a higher caliber. Also try the Super Soaker Ultimate 200 from Hasbro. Welcome back to I Live the 90s. I'm your boy, Alan. I am back to I Live the 90s after uh, taking a week off dealing with some very, very bad winter weather here. Man, I was out of power for a long time, man. It was uh, it was rough, Brian. How are you doing, though? Much better. Much better than you, buddy. Um, you know, I'm a mid-Atlanticer now, so I'm used to weather like that. It's no big deal. Um, but it does highlight sort of what I know, which is... It's not about the people. I think a lot, a lot of Texans are getting a bad rap about being, like, weak. And there's nothing you can do if your city just doesn't have the infrastructure. And, and I don't even mean infrastructure. Just the utilities to deal with something like that. Where, like, when a, a storm like that is coming up here once every few years, every, tr- every guy that has a truck in this city somehow has, like, affixed, like, a like dump truck thing to the front of it so they can just like push snow out of the way so everybody is just like chipping in getting paid to do it so the, the roads are actually fine here so i feel like texas got a bad rap but it, it hurt my heart but i'm glad to have you back buddy yeah good to be back you know it wasn't even an issue of the roads or anything like that it's just on the front end of this storm so like on on day one of five of just extremely extremely cold weather for for texas everyone lost power Oh, yeah. So what do you do when it's day one of five? You have no power, you have no running water, and you have, and most importantly, you don't have the ability to generate heat. Mm-hmm. So you got, so when it's, you know, 40 yeah. degrees inside of your house and you got no way to heat up, no, nothing to light up. What do you, I mean, what, what do you do? That's what made it so bad, but, uh, everything's fine. A lot of people are, we're dealing with pipe bursts here and here in Texas. Luckily we did not. Uh, luckily, after after two days of no power, um, my parents got their power back on day three. Mm-hmm. So from day three to five of of this cold snap, we were over there uh, for for about three four days, and then uh, we came back, turned everything back on, no leaks, no bursts. We got electricity, so we're we're back in business, baby. Good, good to have you back, buddy. Um, and thank you to John Schuler and David Corolla. You guys were fantastic for us last week. Um, got a lot of positive reviews um, from from our longtime listeners that, you know, they, they like Alan and me, um, but I feel like we've done a good job uh, finding suitable replacements. Yeah, they were great. I, uh, I didn't get to listen to the episode on Friday morning like how I normally do every week just because of the power situation, but I did listen to it uh, this past Monday. Great episode. I I loved it. Those boys did a, an incredible job. Awesome. But uh, but onward and upward, we have a new fresh episode today. We're going to be talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Get in the chop off. Probably one, probably one of the biggest action stars of all time. He had a great 
uh, 90s decade, mm-hmm. a lot of great movies, a lot of great uh, ambitions, and we'll get into all of those. And we're also going to tell a lot of stories uh, <laughs> about ourselves um, that don't really relate to Arnold at all. It's funny because one of the themes of this episode you'll see is just how disciplined and focused Arnold was and whatever he wanted to do. And you'll see in this episode, we weren't really focused at all, but it's still (laughs) going to be fun and it's still going to be a great listen. But before we get into all that, let's check in with Office Hours with Professor Barry, who sleeps with a copy of the Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding under his pillow at night. Barry, take it away. (laughs) Thanks, Alan. Good to have you back. And before we get to clarifying and amplifying episode 35, Dallas Sports Controversies, I'd like to do a shout out to our co-host from last week. John and David, and thank them for coming on. Now, getting right to the Dallas Cowboys. Mark Stepnoski, who did play offensive line for the boys in the 90s, wore number 53, and is definitely an advocate for uh, legal cannabis these days, so much and so controversially so that his high school uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania, rescinded their offer of uh, putting him in the Athletics Hall of Fame there. Uh, Leanne Rimes did do the halftime show at the uh, Thanksgiving Cowboys game in 2002, which was our freshman year of college. Um, Kelly Clarkson had just won American Idol in September of 2002, uh, so it was likely that she was on hand to do the national anthem. Kelly would go on herself to do the halftime show with a Thanksgiving uh, game in 2007. Kelly Clarkson, of course, is a uh, wildly successful uh, recording artist selling 25 million albums worldwide, which is still far fewer than Leanne Rimes has sold 37 million worldwide. Surprised me, too. Uh, The Norm Hiscus book on the Cowboys is called Greatest Team Ever, the Dallas Cowboys Dynasty of the 1990s. came out in 2007. Uh, The famous, uh, infamous stabbing incident uh, with Michael Irvin occurred in Wichita Falls, Texas in 1998 when the Cowboys were at training camp at Midwestern State University there. At the time, Irvin was already on probation and uh, would have been sent to jail, but for Jerry Jones intervening, convincing uh, McIver not to press charges further and brokering a, quote, six-figure deal paid by Irvin to keep the peace. Of course, um, McIver wasn't with the team uh, much longer after that. Switching to the Mavericks, who were god-awful in the 90s, missing the playoffs every season that started in the 90s uh, before making it again uh, in the 2000-2001 season. They did play in the playoffs in the 90s at the end of the 89-90 season, but had a first-round exit. Uh, As a result of uh, all that poor play, they had a lot of high draft picks. Uh, including Doug Smith, who was taken six overall in 1991. He played four years in Dallas, averaging 8.3 points in 979 games before uh, playing briefly in Boston and then retiring. I did a little more uh, digging into other Mavs draft picks. In addition to Doug Smith out of Mizzou in 1991, they drafted in order Jim Jackson, Jamal Mashburn, Jason Kidd. I'll give you the records for the seasons uh, before they drafted those guys. Uh, 91-92, when they got Jackson, they were 22-60. and 60. He was fourth out of Ohio State. Then in 92-93, they went 11-71 and 71 before getting Mashburn fourth out of Kentucky. The following year, they went uh, 93-94. They went 13-69 and 69 and had the opportunity to pick Jason Kidd second out of California. Now, all three of the, big, of the three Jays were traded in the middle of the 96-97 season. Kidd went to Phoenix as part of the Michael Finley deal. Jim Jackson went to the Jets. Jamal Mashburn went to Miami. 96-97 was also the season Oliver Miller played half a year in Dallas. Donnie Nelson became uh, first assistant GM in 1998. 
Uh, one more draft pick for you. Smocky Walker was taken in 1996, ninth overall out of Louisville, four picks before Kobe Bryant was taken out of high school uh, to the uh, Hornets and immediately traded to the Lakers. Uh, Don Nelson definitely uh, plays poker with some famous guys, including Owen Wilson, Willie Nelson, and Woody Harrelson. I don't know if that's in the place of Jimmy Buffett or if he plays with Buffett, too. Uh, last thing on the Mavs, Don Nobler's uh, incident uh, was definitely with Patrick Beverly. Switching to the Stars, who moved to Dallas in 1993 from uh, Minnesota and uh, won the Cup after the or during the 98-99 season. Uh, Ed Belfour, who was the goalie uh, during that Cup run, did have some uh, scraps with the law in October of 2000 after he was picked up by the cops for uh, uh, disorderly conduct while drunk. He offered them $1 billion, which he, of course, did not have to make the charges go away. Uh, now he does have a whiskey company uh, that he operates out of Dallas with his son. It's called Belfour Spirits. Now, back to that 98-99 season. That was the season that Pantera wrote the song, Puck Off, get it? Uh, at, the, at the beginning of the season, and um, hosted a party at the uh, home of Vinnie Paul after uh, they won the cup. Vinnie Paul was a member of Pantera with his brother, uh, Dimebag Daryl. Uh, the um, the uh, cup was dented at Vinnie's house, uh, and uh, Vinnie himself uh, died not that long ago in 2018. Uh, just a few uh, uh, last notes here. Uh, Jose Canseco, uh, got popped in that boxing match in 10 seconds by a 21-year-old intern from Barstool Sports called Belly Football. The uh, baseball all-star game was in Arlington in 1995. That fan fest that you talked about was in downtown Dallas. I went with my dad, my brother, and my cousin. It was a lot of fun and really cool. I loved everything about the Prince Fielder playing Little League in Irving. And uh, lastly, uh, Dennis Rodman's last stop on his basketball career was in Dallas, Texas, when he played 12 illustrious games in February of 2000. That's all I got. Back to you, Brian and Alan. All right, thanks, Professor Barium, for doing what you do, Playboy. Doing it, doing it, doing it well. Like LL Cool J once said. I don't think that's from the 90s, actually, Alan. But welcome back, buddy. Um, before we hop into this episode, I want to ask you your thoughts as an outside observer, because, you know, I kind of took the reins and, and went a little AWOL because I was allowed to with you being out. Um, and we went Dallas-centric. So I, I just want to give you the floor and let you talk about kind of what you thought about that episode. Well, it's it's always fun listening. This is the second time I've had the chance to listen to the podcast from the from the posse section, uh, just for, from the outside. It was, you know, I'm a hater. I hate Dallas sports. I hate Dallas anything. I hate you. But, uh, <laughs> but even with all that said, John and David did just an incredible job. I mean, they're, they are really good at this and it, uh, you know, their, their war, their, their wins above replacement are, are, are higher than mine for sure. <laughs> um, just that encyclopedic knowledge of, of things, Mavericks especially, uh, was, was really fun to listen to. And then the stories. And I, that's what I love about this podcast is regardless of who's hosting, the topic becomes stories, personal stories. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a couple stories that uh, I thought of as I was listening to y'all's episode uh, one related to sightings, like celebrity sightings and athlete sightings, like seeing them out in the wild. Mm -hmm. And of course, David's hot dog, hot dog story. <laughs> but, uh, you know, speaking of the three J's or whatever you call the the that yeah. tandem in, in, in Dallas, uh, I saw Jim Jackson at the Atlanta airport in the gift shop. 
and uh, on my flight coming back, so basically that same outing, I was I was there waiting for a flight, saw him, and on my flight back to Houston, I saw uh, Dale Davis. Okay. Uh, wedged wedged himself into a Southwest <laughs> airline seat and looked he looked very uncomfortable. Uh, also, a, a better story is seeing Jeff Van Gundy. Okay. I was at uh, me and Zero were at a uh, a legal CLE continuing education. We have to do 15 hours a year to to stay active in the in in Texas, keep our licenses. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was a, a a legal seminar on CTE in sports. Oh. It was it was held at Rice University, and so we went and they just get an hour of credit, have lunch, whatever. We we fun topic. So we 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 park, and as we're walking up, Jeff Van Gundy's just standing there at the entrance. I'm like, what's he doing here? So I just said, uh, hey, Jeff. And he goes, hey, how are you? I'm like, I'm good. And then I walked by him and went to the seminar, and I figured that's it. I guess Jeff has some sort of business at Rice today. But then the seminar started, and he came and pulled up a chair and sat down. Like he was there attending the legal seminar on CTE. Interesting. And I'm just like, what's he doing? I was like, what's he doing here? Why is he here? Why is he listening? Does he have CTE? Did the Larry Johnson fight? Uh, I don't know, did, he get kicked- <laughs> did he get kicked in the head? Um, but then when it was over, we're going back to our cars and Jeff got into his very modest Toyota Camry and, uh, he left the, the parking lot right before us. And then we're like, you know what, let's just, let's just follow him for a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, and we did just for a little bit. And I just remember saying out loud, I'm like, man, we're following Jeff Van Gundy. <laughs> Yeah, then eventually he made his a right turn. We went straight, and and that was kind of it. H- hadn't seen him since, uh, but I hope he's doing well. He's a he's a Houston guy. I think he still lives here, and uh, he always shows this city love when he's doing a uh, national broadcast. Question. So yeah, for those of you that don't know Jeff Van Gundy, he used to coach the Ash, uh, the uh, the Rockets, and he's a he's a national uh, broadcaster for TNT. I think right sounds right. I think it's ABC. ABC. That's right. Yeah, because he does the finals and stuff. So was he coaching at that point, or was he already long gone? He was long retired. He was. This is recently. This was in the last oh. just few years. Oh. Um, also, his brother can ball. There's like one clip of him like doing spin moves. Do you remember Jim George? Of course I do. Yeah. Do you remember how silky that game's that guy's game was? Like something about just the way he moved on a basketball court. He was Jim George is this. He's a doctor now. We got a lot of friends that are doctors. He's a doctor. Um, he was kind of like you just didn't see it coming. It's like watching Urkel just be really good at basketball. I mean, yeah, Jim he, George, he had deceptive game. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a video of Stan Van Gundy, who is Jeff Van Gundy's brother, just like going between the the sticks and like behind the back and just looks so fluid. But he's got like Stan Van Gundy body. So it's really yeah, like hey, Ted Cruz too. He can ball too. Very deceptive <laughs> game there. there oh. There's one more uh, Cowboys related story I wanted to tell that that I remind that I was reminded of when I was listening to y'all's episode last week. So mm-hmm. um, again, Cowboys hater as a kid, no real reason for that either. Like I, I wasn't trained to think, hey, you need to hate Dallas sports. I just I just didn't like the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the time the Bills had lost three straight Super Bowls, I really wanted to see them win. Mm-hmm. And so this was the Super Bowl of the rematch. So it would have been Buffalo's fourth Super Bowl and then playing the Cowboys back to back. So it was the rematch with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I remember this was in fourth grade, and uh, lining we, lining up for recess is always a big deal. And as a kid, being the first in line, being early in line, a big deal. I never cared. I, even back then, I thought that was stupid. Yeah. Monkey bars are still going to be there when I get out there. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But uh, the teacher liked to play this game. She's like, okay, if you like this, you can go and line up. So she goes, if you want the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl this week, and you can go and line up for recess. And every single child in that class but me got up <laughs> and and lined up. She's like, Alan, you, you want Buffalo to win? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, okay, go 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 line up. And I, and I was last in line. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, yeah, man, wild stuff. Um, moving back into the present day, this week's show, um, we're going to talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I have some opening remarks about Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I want to give you the opportunity to say something as well, if you'd like. And you can go first or second. Uh, go ahead. I'm hoping that we can make the case that Arnold Schwarzenegger is like maybe the most impressive like human man ever, potentially. Like, at just... Not ever, but like maybe sometime in our life. Like he's up there on like the Mount Rushmore of men just from like what he's been able to do in three distinct professions that are not related to each other. You know, like Lance Armstrong won like a gazillion like yellow jerseys and then he went on to become like a really good like marathoner and like all kinds of other sports. But that was like all within the domain of sports. Like Arnold did it in weightlifting, bodybuilding then in action movies, and then in government. Like, that's just, like, all kinds of, like, crazy wild stuff that he ascended to the peak, basically, of every single one of those things. So that's what I'm hoping we can draw out today. Um, what about you? I I absolutely agree. I, I think he's the perfect example of witnessing someone set goals and then reach those goals. And I mean, not just reach him, but absolutely crush him. <laughs> and you're talking about reaching the pinnacle in in bodybuilding, which was a big deal back in the day. I mean, right. it's a big deal now, but it was a really big deal. They call it the golden age of of bodybuilding back when he was was winning mm -hmm. every single year. And then, you know, what started off as a kind of a fledgling movie yeah. career, he became the biggest action star in Hollywood. Yeah. And then he became the governor of the biggest state in in the United States <laughs> as an immigrant in California as a Republican, <laughs> which is ex which is extremely hard to do. So uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I I agree with you. I think he did it. He was only capped in that last one by like not being born in the United States. So I was like, well, I can't be president. So what can I be? I'll be the governor of the biggest state, basically. <laughs> like, oh, okay, um, yeah. So I think, does it make sense to just talk about the 90s and sort of yo-yo back and forth? Because, like, obviously, we're a 90s show. We're going we're gonna to spend the, the biggest chunk of time there, sort of on his movie career. Um, so we can start there and yo-yo back and forth, going forward in time, backwards. Or do you want to just do it kind of chronologically and just start with him as a bodybuilder? Well, we can go kind of chron chronological. That's fine. Great. So you know when his first... Mr. Olympia competition was. Do you know the year? I think it was either 69 or 70. 69. Like 19 I just okay. something about that one year difference seeing the the number 1969 like Nolan Ryan was pitching for the Mets if we're going to go back to like 
that's how old like these guys are like I don't know that's just so something about that number really like tweaked me out so he was runner-up that year and that was the only year that he competed that he didn't win basically so he came in second and then from basically like 70 to 77 maybe 75 something like that he won every single year so he won 70 71 72 73 74 and 75 75 was the year that they um made the movie pumping iron did you see that we'll talk about that in a bit oh yeah oh yeah so that came out that came out in 1977 but it was about his sixth win in 1975 and it was because he was actually retiring so he had just like run roughshod over mr olympia for that entire time and then he came back in 1980 five years after retiring because do you know why he came back I think he wanted to show that he could still do it. Well, so a little controversy here. Yes, but he was also like getting in shape for Conan the Barbarian. Ah, okay. So he was already just getting yoked anyways. Like, well, I may as well just like, people didn't know, but he just kind of like entered in and he ends up winning and people were pissed. Like they, one of the guys actually ended up quitting because it was like, he was, he wasn't the fittest and he wasn't like, built particularly he didn't have the most mass either and people were just kind of like what the hell like we're giving it on name recognition now like you're kind of you know it was the golden era so it like meant something and that was kind of the the slow decline i think the start of the decline of sort of that that um that uh competition yeah and uh you know you bring up pumping iron (laughs) one it's a great documentary Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen it Please do. Whether you're not even into bodybuilding or not, just it is it is an entertaining, interesting documentary to watch. When I watched that the first time, I am not surprised that producers, directors, screenwriters, whatever, people in Hollywood saw that and said, this guy has something. He has so much personality in that movie. Really, he has more personality in Pumping Iron than he did in the Terminators or, or Predator, really a lot of his kind of earlier 80s uh, run movies. Some of the characters he played are kind of dry. They're not funny. Mm-hmm. Um, he's more jockey. But on um, Pumping Iron, he's hilarious. <laughs> the way he rips on his competitors, especially Lou Ferrigno, Poor Lou uh, who, Ferrigno. Ended up, who ended up playing the Incredible Hulk in the, in the TV series, uh, the way he intimidates and psychs out his, his, his competitors – just on the way he trains, just just his smirks on his face, the 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 quotes that he gives in interviews. Uh, there, there's a, I won't get into it, but there's a, a very funny <laughs> soundbite that he gives in an interview when he just talks about this sensation that he gets when he's lifting weights. I'll uh, I'll let y'all look that up yeah, on, you on Google your own. that. But he just he had a charisma, man. He had a charisma. He had a presence. Just the way he he poses on the stage, the way he talks, the way he did his hair, the clothes he wore. I mean, he was he was confident. He had charisma. He was funny. He had personality. No surprise at all. Going back and watching that documentary before he ever became an actor, they would have a great career in acting. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said there, Alan. He had he just popped off the screen even at a very young age, and that smile. Even though like he's got like chiclet teeth with like gaps in between every single one, <laughs> he still had like that magnetism. <laughs> about him and i think one more thing about his bodybuilding before we move on he was so revered because i think he had as close to like perfect ratios as you should have so he had that like 
almost perfect hourglass shape. Um, and there's a lot of controversy. I've looked at it too in, in just being, I don't know if I'm a fan of bodybuilding, but just like fascinated by muscle building and like they're doing it. Like bodybuilding is not about strength. Like clearly these guys are incredibly strong because they can move a lot of weight, but they're trying to physically sculpt their bodies. It's bodybuilding. And there's actually a little bit of an, an interesting, he, he rips on the guys now, sort of the way like, you know, Chuck and Shaq and like all those guys, Kenny rip on the like NBA players today. Like he does that with all the weightlifters and bodybuilders because they're on so many supplements and, and they're taking so much creatine or powder, whatever legal stuff that they can take. They're, they're just jamming into their bodies and they all have like kind of a gut. So that gut has gigantic like six pack muscles on it, but it is like a bulbous form. And if you go back and look at guys in his era, they're all actually very svelte and thin and they're, you know, it like smooth transition where like they have muscle, but it's not just like packed in. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? It's yeah. They, they call that the, there's kind of a, there's classic bodybuilding and there's modern bodybuilding and classic bodybuilding was that classic Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. kind of look that kind of triangular yeah. kind of form. Um, you're not, you're not bloated. It's yeah. just smooth, just classic, well-built muscle, yeah. good definition. Whereas today it's more, I don't know, bulbous. I don't know how to describe it, but you see every little kind of muscle and it's almost (laughs) like looking at a cadaver, but with skin on it that can walk and talk. So it's, it's a different style. It evolves just like any other sport or any other kind of competition. But I know Arnold is more old school and he likes the, the, the classic bodybuilding look. And, um, my gosh, one thing about Arnold that you learn in pumping iron and, and really any interview that he gives about bodybuilding or his bodybuilding career and really, I think in anything that he does, which may be why he's so successful, he is so outrageously disciplined. Mm-hmm. The guy does not give in to any kind of temptation, whether it's diet, whether it's skipping a, a, a workout. I mean, he is so freaking dedicated to the things that he sets his mind to do. He's a model for like that immigrant spirit and what, what used to be thought of as making it in America where like you can come here and you can do it. If you're willing to put in work, like you can succeed and become the ultimate success story. And I think he is so indicative of that spirit. He embodies it so well. Um, you know, I know we got into trouble later in his life. We may or may not get into that, but, um, it is, I think you're, you're absolutely right, man. Um, so nudging toward the 1990s, we can't skip on like some of the awesomeness in the 1980s, which was like Terminator which I feel like became better after Terminator 2 came out, personally. Like, I wasn't around. You know, it it came out in 1984. We were not even one. I mean, we were one, basically, when that came out. So, like, not really on our radar. So I went back and watched Terminator 2 sort of in the mid-90s, or Terminator, the Terminator, in the mid-90s after I'd seen Terminator 2. Um, But some other really good movies, you mentioned Predator, um, (laughs) Twins, which I talk about. If, If anybody who went to University of Dallas knows Fernando Barrera, I always liken myself to him as the actors in Twins because the premise of Twins is what would happen if there was a set of twins and you gave all the good genes to one and all the bad genes to the other. So in the movie, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito are twins, but on the campus of the University of Dallas, like I'm Danny DeVito and Fernando Barrera is Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) That's a good movie. Filmed in Houston, by the way. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe my favorite 
like Arnold Schwarzenegger, bar none, is The Running Man. Like, I freaking love that movie. And if it comes on at any any time, like, I'm going to watch that until it's over. That is a great movie. And I think Jesse Ventura was also in that movie. He is. Uh, in addition to being in Predator with Arnold. The one I like, uh, really from the 80s, I mean, I like them. I like most all of them, but uh, Commando. Oh, yeah, Commando. Where it's good. just one, one badass Arnold Schwarzenegger against everybody. In the scene where he's gearing up, it's 45 straight seconds of <laughs> like, man, how much stuff does this guy have? The only gear up scene that rivaled that was a Batgirl in, uh, in, uh, the Alicia Silverstone Batgirl. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Was that, was Arnold in that as well? Was that Batman and Robin? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think it, it was. was either Where's... that or she was the one. Yeah. Yeah. It was Where's that Mr. One. Freeze. We'll get to that later. <laughs> Um, so also in um, The Running Man was Jim Brown. He played Fireball. Um, Jesse Ventura was Captain Freedom. He, let's see, anybody else we... Professor Toro Tatanka, Tanaka. Is that the guy? He was Sub-Zero. Is that the guy that did a... Um, he threw the hats in one of the uh, James Bond movies, I think. Oh, odd like, job? Odd job, or random task. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> And then Richard Dawson was great. He was, he was, he's known famously from um, Family Feud. And I always found him off-putting because I had a problem with what he would do on Family Feud, which is when, you, when, when the two families would separate, you know, they'd do like the meeting in the middle and they would, it would, they would throw it to one team or the other. And he'd always go to the matriarch or, and, and all the women actually. And he'd grab them by both their hands and he'd pucker up his lips and he'd give them a kiss on the lips. And that always really bothered me that he'd do that to everybody. That's right. Yeah, he did do that. He was, he was, I mean, the best host of the family feud was uh, Ray Combs. Yeah. Little, little short guy. He, it was like a four or five year run and he got fired and he ended up committing suicide. But uh, he, he was the best, he was the best host of the family feud. Um, Agreed. Have you, have you seen Conan the Barbarian semi recently or in the last nope. decade? No. You know, I, I watched that when I was really little and didn't really understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, watched it about a couple years ago, and I'm not into sci-fi adventure sword movie kind of crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said before, I don't I don't like nerd, <laughs> but <laughs> beef. <laughs> but but uh, that is a good movie, man. Really, that is a good movie. Yeah, James Earl Jones is in it. He's the bad guy. He's like the serpent king, and uh, it's it's a very adult. Uh, a lot of adult themes in there. There's uh, there's some nudity and stuff. Oh. That's not why I like it. Yeah. But I'm just saying it's not it's well, not we know, what you think. We know you like when you would imi- when you would immediately think of uh, a Conan the Bar- Conan the Barbarian movie. We know you like mature women, as you also said in a previous episode. <laughs> I like that you said it, Conan. I think that's the way that uh, Bernie Mac would say Conan O'Brien's name, Conan, Conan. Well, I think it is Conan for the the destroy on the barbarian. I just, I just think it's Conan for Conan O'Brien. I think he hated when people called him Conan. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to it. Let's get to the the meat of the episode. 1990 opened up with Total Recall, which is like also an epic movie. I think going to Mars, space travel, just like. You talk about nudity. That's got to be some of the most famous gratuitous nudity in the history of like <laughs> cinema. The, 
the, the number three, the yeah. third, uh, <laughs> the, third breast, the extra, yeah. yeah, the extra breast. Um, that's just like like folklore, like, like it's just written off in cinematic history. Um, but a good movie, I think. Uh, an interesting concept. That death scene, like that, that stuck with me even then. I, you know, it came out in 1990. I saw it sometime in the mid 90s, like on HBO or something late late at night. And that death scene where his eyes, like his his face shield breaks on Mars and there's no atmosphere and like basically his face like gets bulged out in his eyes and <laughs> and you can just hear his. <laughs> it's an awful. Death you know, scene. I gotta say, like some of these movies, so. Um... Total Recall and even Ter- Terminator 2, mm-hmm. it's not so much that Arnold's performance is just so damn good in those movies, but he, man, he chose his roles very well. Mm-hmm. And the movies that he participated in were very cutting edge as far as like special effects, technology, yeah. action. Like there was nothing like Total Recall before. Um, before that movie there was nothing like gotcha. definitely nothing like terminator 2 yeah man before that movie so that kind of helped launch his stardom but when you when you dissect his individual performances in those two movies yes they are good i'm not going to shortchange him i think considering his abilities he was a very good actor in both of those movies but you know picking a movie like that versus I think it's unfair, but a lot of people make comparisons to Sylvester Stallone. Like Sylvester Stallone's technology special effects movie was Demolition Man. Yeah. Okay, good good movie, but man, that does not hold a candle as far as the quality of the movie and how good the movie is to oh. Total Recall or Terminator 2. Oh. Ooh, man. Oof. 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 We might need to like change up the format. I'm of not this saying one. it's a bad movie, but I we mean, might... come on. The, the three seashells joke can only take you so far. <laughs> We might need to have it. That might have been something we could have done, you know, how we did the Tom versus Tom. It would have been a very obvious, like, Sly versus Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, but anyway, we don't have to get into that. I do want to go back, but since we already brought up Terminator 2, let's talk about that, and then we'll we'll go back in time a little bit. So Terminator 2 was just one of those seminal movies from the 1990s that just, like, it's sort of timeless. And I feel like maybe this is revisionist history. But it's sort of given mass culture this idea of what AI can become. And it's sort of like overlaid its idea onto what we all think presently about where AI is potentially going, which is like we're the humans are the ones that are building these computers and artificial intelligence. And the whole premise of that movie is that they become smart enough and realize that what's actually holding them back and the inefficiency is like humans. So we got to destroy humans. And that's sort of where everybody is today. I mean, we're all thinking about like Skynet and that's where the future is going, that these robots are going to be smart enough that they're going to realize we're actually the problem and they're just going to like kill us all. Oh yeah. And I, it, I mean, it's, it's, that's a very good point because right now, I mean, I think it's more like social media. Mm-hmm. We're very suspicious of, who's listening to us, who's watching us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you'll be talking out loud about fishing gear and then you open up your Instagram and there's an ad for, for Dick's sporting goods. So yeah, I mean, there's a uh, Deeks. Yeah. As a <laughs> wait, I gotta hang on. I gotta explain that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Dick's sporting goods, it's a real store. I don't know if you have it in your region. Um, they're, they're here in Texas and, uh, me and Zero, again, man, this boys get shout-outs left and right, You're man. the one that I, shouts you know, him out. I don't even like that guy. 
He doesn't. I don't like him either. But uh, we, we go to a lot of Texans games. We had season tickets for a long time. And uh, there was a gentleman that, that sat behind us every game. Mm-hmm. And he had these really cool Texans sneakers. They were blue. They had red shoelaces, these these nice Nikes. Mm-hmm. And, and it's loud in there. So we keep we keep asking him, hey, where did you get those? And you know it's one of those things where you don't hear but you really only get two asks. Yeah. So you ask, you don't hear, you ask again, you don't hear, and you don't ask a third time, even though you still didn't hear it. Right. So I'm like, hey, man, did you hear what he said? He's like, no. I said, man, I was hoping you did. He's like, no. I was like, I think he said deeks. Deeks. <laughs> like deeks, like dicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that that guy called calls dicks sporting goods deeks i don't know if that's because he doesn't want to say the word dick or if he thinks that it's pronounced deeks you know but uh that's permanently what i call it now and even mrs i love the 90s has heard me saying that so much anytime we drive violent she goes oh look there's a there's a deeks (laughs) that's so funny how like things in marriage happen that way where like one spouse says something and the other just like sort of mocks it and they mock it so long that it just becomes the way that you both say it sort of like unironically. We like Suzanne and I definitely have things like that for sure. Yeah, that happens a lot in our household. There's <laughs> I, I I talk in quotes. I don't I don't actually have my own speech, and I think she's adopted almost all of them. Oh man. So, um, what are your thoughts sort of on on T two? Because that's like that's his biggest movie. That's his biggest franchise. That's it. So I don't I don't mind if we spend a little time sort of you know talking about T two. Great movie. And, you know, you can watch it now and it doesn't look old. Yeah. It doesn't look old. It doesn't feel old. Um, they did the CGI gosh, right. so great CGI. I mean, and, and good quality CGI. You know what I actually really liked about that movie? And I remember even as a little kid liking this a lot was the, uh, I don't know the black actor's name, um, but the guy that's sort of smart that sort of builds the prototype or the hand that they go, that they're trying to destroy, that's going to lead to, you know, the, the overtake. But that guy's death scene, like, stuck with me and sticks with me to this day. Where just like that, like, that... I'm laughing because I know exactly what you're talking about. Just the way he's, like, breathing and yes. sweating. He's like... He's like... <laughs> yes! It's, like, even in the moment, I was like, oh, that seems like a legit death. I hadn't seen a good death, like, between, like, from a black actor like that until Gus Fering. Like, when he comes out... And he like buttons his tie and all you see is like the left side of his face. And then he turns and the other half is just like his open skull. Like that was the next like greatest death scene ever. That's a good death. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so that death scene, even as a little kid, uh, really got to me. And also, I remember thinking how unrealistic it was that the T-1000 could like keep up with like the new version of the Ultimator who was like this like, aluminum alloy like puddle goop shapeshifter like that guy just seems so superior in every single way like if he wanted a sword on his hand that scene too where he like with the sword through the milk there's some epic death scenes in that movie man there are and just the way the t-1000 runs man it's so cool (laughs) it's just so (laughs) it's it's so robotic i mean that's what you call great acting only part of that movie i did not like Uh uh-oh was when the uh, the T one thousand is is chasing John Connor, like John Connor's on like a, he's on the back of a, of a bike. Yeah. And the T one thousand's in a damn eighteen wheeler. Oh yeah. 
and and the eighteen wheeler is like bumping the back of the bike, and then all John Carr goes, like, ugh, ugh, like he would be wiped out, <laughs> wiped out with just the slight touch from that eighteen wheeler. I'm like, oh man, come on. Oh, yeah, you know, they, yeah, I, I, I got, I got no, I got no defense for that. That was pretty, pretty weak sauce. So is that there are two of those, and I can't remember. It's actually the same ones that merge because I have two images of John Connor on motorcycles because he's got his little dirt bike that he's running from mm-hmm. originally, and then that's just not fast enough. And Arnold like shoots the chain, jumps down over, like off the ledge i don't know what they're in they're like in a it's not a ravine it's like a man-made like i don't know like a exposed tunnel I, I don't even know what to like call that la has them it's there's a system of them and then he like picks up john off his like the terminator picks up john off his little like bike and pulls him onto his own and the bike just goes under and like gets crushed that's right yeah i think the bumping was when he was on his dirt bike yeah. which is even more ridiculous <laughs> Um, that, that like, oh, moment though, when he's in the back of like the mall and he sees the, the T what, what is Arnold? What version is he? Do you remember? I don't know what he's called. There's thought, a name for it. I thought he I was, was Terminator. the T-1000. So the other, the alloy guy is the T-1000. But when he drops, yeah, the bad like, guy is the T-1000. When he drops the, the roses and like out of it comes like that pump action, like shotgun, there's some really good scenes in that, man. Like, I'm, I'm really like, like I'm going to go watch this movie. Ass. What? I kind of want to watch it again. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a really good movie. Um, and we haven't even talked about sort of like the badass among badasses, which is like Sarah Connors. Um, what's that actress's name? Oh, um, shoot. Linda Hamilton. Yes. She, was she married to James Cameron? I think she was in real life. That may be true. I'm not sure. But Barry. She's, she's doing those like one arm pull ups because she's in like a loony bin because she was mm-hmm. like, I'm being visited by like a future robot. So like, yeah, lady, you're no longer fit to be in society. So we're going to we're going to go ahead and put you in this cell with padded walls. Like, don't you do that. And she's just got that like wife beater on and she's doing like those one arm pull ups just like that. I mean, it's a what is what did what did a Hollywood Hulk Hogan have? He had the 20. 20 inch pythons the 24 inch pythons brother they were like 13 inches but she still she had some uh some definition (laughs) and you know uh watching terminator if you if you watch the original terminator (laughs) after watching terminator 2 you appreciate sarah connor more yes in terminator 2 because in part one she had no idea what was out there she had no idea what she was involved with she had no idea what her future was and she was just the regular person Mm mm-hmm and just she got kind of woken up by the end of that movie. And even the final scene of, of Terminator 1, um, her personality totally changes. Oh. It's She understands, she gets it, and she's kind of this refugee. Mm-hmm. And she has this knowledge of, of, of what's in store for the, for the future. Great acting, great movie. Actually, I was in... Uh, I was in Mexico when I rewatched Terminator just a few months ago. When I, we were there for our anniversary trip in November, and there's always just one night where we don't really do anything. We just watch TV in the yeah. in the hotel room, and that was on. and And I watched it start to finish. I'm like, this movie's actually really good. It wasn't Gremlins with her waking up, yelling at you of why you're watching it with the kids. What nah. that <laughs> Maybe that'll be in the future. <laughs> um. All right, let's go forward. I'll let you kind of move on. Oh, I said we would go back, and I feel like only because I don't necessarily care about 
Kindergarten Cop, but what I do care about is one of the little actors that's in Kindergarten Cop. And he was like the little butthead of the class. Is that where he's like, it's not a Tuma? Is that, is that Kindergarten Cop? Yeah, that's Kindergarten Cop, yeah. So who is that little kid? Because he was like the little Bebe's kid in like every show of that age. I think he was in, what's the one with Michelle Tanner and all them? Like he was the... He was oh yeah, he kid. was Eric. Yeah, in uh, Michelle's class, he was he was he was also the little uh, tormented kid in Pet Cemetery. Exactly. Well, no wonder he had he was typecast because of that man. Good grief! Like it was a jerk. <laughs> a kid, had, a kid had a rough uh, child acting spree there, man. It's like you're either gonna be a jerk or you're gonna be tormented. <laughs> I don't know his name, but if we can find it, Barry, let's highlight that kid. Let us know what that kid did with his Speaking life. Speaking of tormented kid, this is just a very quick aside. I <laughs> got on one of these journeys, and I wanted to see what the kid from Problem Child was doing now. Okay. He he doesn't do anything, uh, but he's on YouTube, and he, he leaves these videos of him just kind of philosophizing. Oh. Uh, yeah, real, real deep thought kind of stuff. Just, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Weird, weird, weird. He, he turned out to be kind of weird. <laughs> Somebody's having that conversation about us right now. It's like, I don't know, Brian, like, he was kind of normal, but now he just, like, podcasts with his friend about, like, stuff they used to do. <laughs> that was kind of weird. <laughs> um, did you like Last Action Hero? I know it came up briefly, um, but I can't remember if you did or didn't like it, because I remember it for a very particular reason, but I want to hear you first. I didn't really see it. Uh, I mean, I definitely didn't see it in theaters. And uh, when it came on TV, uh, it was very stupid. Right. Um, but the thing is, it was supposed to be stupid. Yeah. It was a very a... kind of self-parody action movie kind of thing. Uh, but it was just a little, I don't know, it wasn't, it wasn't well executed, I don't think. Yeah, he's a self or, or a, an, he's a movie character brought to life who doesn't realize that he's brought to real life, but the movie world still exists for him, which the whole point is there's a kid that tells him like, well, you can't do that here. I understand you think you're this character, but this is the real world. And like, you can't get shot and live. And he's like, Oh, okay. And like, obviously like the physics, the laws of physics cease to exist around Arnold Schwarzenegger, even though he's in the real world. Um, it was fine. What I remember about that the most though, was that was the time where I became aware in the moment of branding and sponsorship and like Burger King and like being a part of it and like the official whopper of things because it was such a like a huge money dump into like that and I think they even made fun of that where he's like drinking a coke or something and he looks like into the camera and like turns the, the thing into it and the kid's like who are you talking to and clearly there's like a camera there for like Arnold. So that's what I remember about Last Action Hero is becoming aware of like, oh, this isn't a movie to like entertain me. This is a movie to like keep my attention. So I go buy stuff. Yeah, I remember Burger King promoting that movie to hell. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember every freaking Burger King commercial dealt with Last Action Hero. They had commemorative cups and just just promotional city. So question did was there a hulk that came out when we were like juniors in high school was there like a version yes. of it okay because they yes. also had and eric, green eric ketchup. banna eric banna was in it that, they had green ketchup and that's what i'd like 
I, my mind didn't work. I, I tried it and I just could not make it work in my mind. Like the green ketchup. I feel like Burger King always did a really bad job of the cross promotional stuff. Whereas McDonald's always did an amazing job. I mean, like McDonald's would be mixed up with the Olympics. They'd be mixed <laughs> up with the NBA all-star game, you know, Space Jordan Jam. versus bird game of horse. Yeah. All that, all that stuff. Burger King had like the shack pack, which was just a <laughs> Whopper meal that came with a side of cheese sauce. You know that what? You can dip the burger into the cheese sauce. I think Shaq was actually low-key brilliant because he's very good at business. I don't know what he owns now, but he owns like 50 Denny's or something like that. Uh, but he owns a Papa lot John. of Papa John's. He owns a lot of different things like that. And I think what he did was rather than go with like name brand stuff, he took the advice of his like colleagues and did the best in the moment. So maybe he wasn't going to have like that huge like risk or long-term victory with like being an underling on a big brand, follow me with this. But like he had, he was on Reebok. Like nobody was really on Reebok. Everybody was already kind of making his, their way over to Nike at that point. Um, you know, he had the Shaq Gnosis, which I know you bought those shoes for your uh, Egyptian uh, basketball league. How'd you play in the Shaq Gnosis's? I play good. I I play good in the in the clunkiest shoes possible. If yeah. I'm wearing regular shoes, I don't play well. I there's something. It's like this this imbalance thing i have to be unbalanced <laughs> at my feet and my shot gets so much better i'm, I'm serious Interesting. It's, it's it's a real thing so he did that he also made like did he make kazam or shazam i can never remember which one he did kazam kazam, kazam. not to be confused with shazam the movie that just came out or kaza the, the the like computer program that would like basically give your computer an std trying to uh, download <laughs> music from the internet that's that's some 1990 stuff. Um, uh, how did we end up at Shaq? Oh, Burger King. He did the Taco Bell like one on one that we talked about with like I think he just oh, went and got one. paid. Yeah. Like that's what he did, man. He was really good at that. Um, I know he did Nestle Crunch for a while. He just take a big old bite out of a big Crunch bar. Just, <laughs> just half the bar's gone. He does icy hot. I know that. Um, but anyway, back to Arnold. Um, another good movie that I really like, and it's probably number two on my personal Arnold movie list. I mean, T2 is obviously just, like, next level. But I really like Total Recall. And I like True Lies with Jamie Lee Curtis. That's a very good movie. And I watched that about six months ago with Suzanne. And I don't remember if she liked it or not, but I think she liked it. And I loved it. I've always loved that movie. with Tom Arnold, like, it's just, it's great. Great movie. Really, really good movie. But surprisingly, not a movie that I've rewatched very often. Um, I don't know if I just miss it or it's not something that if I see on Netflix or on demand or whatever that I like, it's not something I go and seek out, mm-hmm. um, but a great movie. And I really Arnold Arnold has surprisingly good range. Like the the role he plays in that movie is a lot different than a lot of the other things that he's that he's played. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's him, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tom Arnold. Bill Paxton is actually sort of the foil in that, or not the foil, but like a just sort of a, a smarmy guy that's pretend, basically trying to sleep with his wife. Um, he's a car salesman, and then um, Tia Carrera was actually the the bad guy in that movie from Wayne's World, Miss Schwing herself. Oh, that's right, man! I forgot about her. She's in Wayne's. She's from Wayne's World Two, right? Or is that Wayne's World One? One of them, for sure. In Wayne's I think World it's one. Two. I think no? it's one. It's one. Yeah. 
well, yeah, whatever two is the is, concert that they try to yeah. have out in the in the desert. Yeah, because that's you know why? Because I watched the end of Wayne's World one, and I just didn't get it because I'd never watched The Graduate. Because that's where like she's marrying um, Christopher Walken at the very end, and he goes up to the very end. He's like banging on the glass. And he's like yeah. no, <laughs> and he shows up, and it's like the wrong wedding. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the kid in that was Elijah Dushku, who went on to like. A pretty famous roles herself i mean she was she was kind of an it girl um during our time coming up i know i had a I had a monster crush on her um didn't she date rick fox for a long time eliza dushku yeah i mean he's a beautiful man he was he was in hollywood that's that's very possible uh professor barium i would i would love to know that and then i think your movie jingle all the way we got to talk about jingle all the way i mean i don't know if we need to go into it any more depth there's an entire episode about it <laughs> we don't need to go go into that one movie i really liked phil hartman fantastic in it sinbad fantastic in it a great minnesota mall of america representation <laughs> and a good christmas movie which uh, again there, there are no bad ones but even when not just just judging it on an objective hollywood scale great movie one of my one of my all-time favorites and then he was sort of his last movie of the 90s in 1997 before he kind of made his like exit before coming back with all the terminator redos and, and and doing he was in batman and robin and i'm looking it up now yes that is the one with alicia silverstone where she's getting all packed on um yeah. alicia silverstone <laughs> you know she had it going on but it, i think that's the worst of the batmans and there's a reason it ended with that one uh chris o'donnell's in it um as batboy do you remember who batman was in that number four I think that was the Clooney one, wasn't it? Was it was the Clooney one. Um, and the other the other bad guy is Poison Ivy. So Poison Ivy by Uma Thurman and Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze, and then Alicia Silverstone, obviously. So, like, jam-packed with star power. Um, Vivica Fox was in it as well. Man, I'm just looking at it now. Um, but just a, like, talent, if there's not a good movie, it doesn't matter how much talent you have. Like, because those are really good actors that have been in a lot of really good stuff. And that was just a stinker of a movie, man. That movie sucked, man. Um, and I was... mean, just the fact in one of the opening scenes, Batman and Robin are playing ice. Like, they're fighting bad guys while playing ice hockey <laughs> at the same time. And, like, using, like, the pucks and stuff to, to knock out the bad guys. And I, I, I promised myself I was not going to do any kind of Arnold impression on here. I, I used to have a very good Arnold impression of it. It's not something I've practiced or tried in a really, really long time. So I, I, I don't want to do it. But like, chill, <laughs> chill, <laughs> as he's shooting his freeze rays out and everything, <laughs> and the and the puns and just oh my god, that was movie was so writing. bad, man. Yeah, it was a grab bag of just like awful writing and like whoever. Hopefully they not, they didn't get any more. Joel Schumacher, I hope you didn't get any more jobs. And you too, Bob Kane, who wrote it, and Akiva, whoever. Um, the only reason I wanted you to know that, about... yeah, you ahead. know that movie was so bad that it killed what was supposed to be a very good Superman movie with Nicolas Cage. Who was Nicolas Cage going to be? Superman. Like Shut this, up. this movie was done. This this movie was written. He had already been fitted for the suit. There's even videos of him with Super? with long hair, in a Superman suit, what? Uh, about to start filming. Yes, and uh, the guy who did the other Batman's was going to direct. Tim Burton was going to direct it. 
this was going to be an epic Superman movie, and it never <laughs> happened because Batman and Robin did so bad. Hollywood's like, no, 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 no. I don't want any superhero movies. Leave it alone. Kill it. Any Superman Batman crossover has just been awful. I think that that they, they try to make them. The one with Ben Affleck wasn't he was in the Superman Batman one. Like you know yeah. what that reminds me of too is um, getting a, being so bad that a movie got canceled. Um, Jared Leto was so bad as the Joker and his version of the Joker, which actually is like a, a version of the Joker. So there's a couple backstories for the Joker. And one is that he's like just mentally crazy and one that he's got like a chemical imbalance or whatever. But that version of the Joker, that's a little more like, I don't know. I don't even know how to, how to explain it. Like a little more like pokerish Joker. Uh, if that, if that makes any sense, um, was from the cartoons, but he did that so badly that it in in Suicide Squad, I think they they killed his own movie that was supposed to come out after that, basically. And he got weird because there was this moment where like method acting became like all the rage. I think that um, who's the guy, Daniel, famous guy that did the uh, there there will be blood. Oh, uh, uh, Daniel Day Lewis. He was known as a method actor. A couple other guys, Christian Bale. So like Jared Leto's like, yeah, I got to be method. I got to get into this character. So he got into the character and basically just turned into like a prick. He would just like be doing jokes and like leaving rats and people. And like it gave him like carte blanche to just sort of be like crazy. And he's already a weird guy anyway. So he just kind of like became like that person in real life. And it's like, okay, dude, like, well, you're not being method. You're just acting like an asshole. Like this doesn't work like this. <laughs> And it got his. I don't know canceled. why he's an actor in the first place. I mean, isn't he? Isn't he the lead singer of Thirty Seconds to Mars? Yes, but he was an actor first. So I always thought he was a fraud because he was. You're not a singer. You're an actor. And I think he's won an Oscar actually. So if we're gonna give him his proper his, his wait, wait, dues, he was an actor before Thirty Seconds I mean, to Mars. We can we can dig into this now, or we can leave it to the professor. What do you what do you want to do? I'll let, I'll let him handle. All it. right. Was he? Yeah. So the question, Professor Barry. Also, I call him. Like, I don't even call him Professor anymore. I call him Puffessor. And I don't call him Barry. I call him Barium. So I call him, like, Puffessor Barium. I don't know when that or how that morphed. But that's it's, what I do. It's alter ego, man. Just like Statboy. We all know his name is Tony Reale. We call him Statboy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that happened with him, too. And what I wanted to talk about with, like, Mr. Freeze was not actually Mr. Freeze at all because it was so terrible, which we enumerated. But it reminded me that Six Flags over Texas, like, had such a buddy-buddy deal with Warner Brothers that the entire, you know, Disney World has its own world. Well, they paired up with Warner Brothers, and, like, that entire fun, like, like all the different zones were, like, matched up with um, the characters from these movies. And Mr. Freeze was, like, a fantastic ride. Did you ever ride the Mr. Freeze ride in Dallas? Yes. That's yes, a great ride. Yeah. It's because it's so different. So it's a very simple like it takes a loop over, it makes another loop back, and not upside down loop, just like a big arc, and a second arc, and then it just goes straight up in the air. So you're like looking straight up in the air, and then you do the entire thing in reverse. But what makes it great is like every roller coaster, you have to get to the highest peak first because it's based on like physics and momentum, and then it carries you down. And then each subsequent like rise is lower than the one before, and that's what keeps the momentum going. You go, but this one just like electrically rocket boosts you like out of a tunnel and straight up like an embankment and there's nothing like it that i've ever been i've had more 
like I have another favorite ride, but that one is just like so incredible worth. Like that's the one you kind of just get back in line for as soon as you're done riding it. Yeah. So I rode that one, um, twice, two different occasions. Uh, the first time I went to six flags over Texas was actually with the O'Hara program. Okay. I'd I'd started university of Dallas early one and every weekend was some sort of activity Mm -hmm. and six flags was, was one of them. And Jim George, he's getting two a days. (laughs) Uh, he was there, he was in that program and we rode, we just rode the Titan together, uh, which was a great freaking ride. That's a great ride. And, uh, and it, everything was fine. And then I don't know what we we're just messing around. A bunch of us got on the, the carousel, like the horses that go up and down. And he was on that and, and, and puked his brains out on Whoa. that, but not, not on the Titan. Oh, poor Jim. Sorry, Jim. Um, <laughs> did he have a basketball? Did you guys do the shooting? Did you do that one? I feel like he had to do that. Not, not there, but I will say at Astro World, which, which is also six flags, uh, which used to be here in Houston, man. I I remember there was one time I, I was walking around with two North Carolina Tar Heel basketballs, just one in each hand, just bouncing <laughs> from a, winning it from a shooting game. Oh, that's awesome. Um, did you ever have um, – one, did you live close to Astroworld? Uh, no, because we lived in spring yeah. and Astroworld for the most part and Astroworld was right in the heart of Houston right mm-hmm. off the 610 loop which is kind of part of the reason why I ended up closing uh the value of the land it was on because it was multiple multiple acreage oh, yeah. in a prime part of Houston was worth more to six flags than the money it would be making continuing to wow. operate on that land whoa talk about a deal done right um and it was well, right across no they screwed up because oh. they closed it but then this was in 2008 before the big real estate oh, crash no so so they lost their their ass on that did they is it so it like it's undeveloped today it's undeveloped now it is all the all the roller coasters are gone they've all been kind of redistributed to other six flags throughout the country yeah it's gonna get used for parking for um an right. rg stadium yeah. where the texans play but even that hasn't happened it is just a big humongous grassy area right off of the 610 loop in kirby drive um i wonder it's the pasture i wonder what year this happened because for some reason with like texas sports and this is stuff that i'm normally good at i know the names of buildings and where people play but i will always call it reliant and i will always call it enron like and it's not like an intentional like i'm trying to slight houston that's just the way it was like imprinted on my mind and that's what i call it yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, shoot, Globe Life, AmeriQuest. I mean, just, uh, just call AT&T. It the I mean, it's... <laughs> um, man, that's that's wild about um about that Six Flags. My favorite ride at that Six Flags in Houston because that's the first Six Flags I ever went to was Astro World. Um, and the first time I went, I wasn't big enough to ride the Viper, and it really bothered me because I really wanted to ride oh, the, the Viper. Fun, man, because you go through those dark tunnels. Yeah. That's a great roller coaster. It goes up any any roller coaster that went upside down was just like that's it. That's the seal of approval. That's all I needed. Did you or any of your crew that you went to Six Flags with have any near death ex- or dangerous experiences on one of the rides? Not really that I can remember, honestly. Nothing, you know. But I do make a distinction. I will ride the rides at Six Flags because that's what they do. Those are in place. They're bolted down. They got technicians. They check on that stuff all the time. Boom, boom, boom. We got the checklist. Hopefully everybody's doing their job. But I will not repeat. I will not 
ride rides at a state fair. Like, anybody that has to break shit down and reassemble it, like, you know they lose bolts, man. Like, I lose bolts when I'm making, like, Ikea furniture. There's no way they keep all the freaking bolts. (laughs) (laughs) Like the Carney rides. You're not going to get on the Carney ride. I don't don't blame you. I love the fair. I will go to the Midway all day. I'll go see, like, art events. I like the car expos. I'll do everything at the fair. Love it. But I will not get on a ride. I don't. I don't blame you. I'm. I'm. I'm with you there. I'll eat the food. I'll play the games. Mm-hmm. But my body isn't getting on anything that that creaks and uh, and moves. Oh, can I tell another amusement park story? Please. So, my grandpa sold cars for as long as I remembered um, at Scog and Dickey, and every year at the end of the summer they would go. This is in Lubbock. They would go to a little place called Joyland, and it was just like one strip. And there were there were rides on each side of it. I mean, it was like a half a mile long in my brain. In, in my brain, it's probably a quarter mile long. It couldn't have been that far. Um, but there was you know rides on the left, rides on the right, and it was all basically. And maybe this is why I don't. Um, it's basically carnival rides, but they're a little more permanent, basically. And um, for whatever year, I was like eleven, twelve, somewhere in there. But it was always like, I remember a couple things about it. The only thing they had was like water and iced tea. And that really made me mad that they didn't have like a Coke option or they didn't have lemonade because I hate iced tea. I don't like it. Even to this day, you can throw a lot of sugar in it, just don't like iced tea. Um, And I don't drink water. Even to this day, I'm awful at drinking water, which I did. (laughs) (laughs) And after, like it was at the the Joyland grounds and then you'd get tickets to to Joyland or whatever. And there was a couple rides that I liked. There was this one that was like, Basically, it just played like heavy metal rock music or like Metallica, ACDC type stuff. And it would just spin in a circle like a top, basically. And it would go up and down, but it like just spun. So we ride these rides, and I'm riding something called the, the Spider. And it's like got these eight tentacles, and it like spins in place as it's going up and down and around. So there's a lot of movement, and I ate like a lot of chicken strips and a lot of like mashed potatoes <laughs> and stuff. And I'm with my cousin, Carrie, who I've talked about on this a couple times. Um, and I'm like, I can start to feel it. And I'm like, okay, we get off. And then we go get on the ride that's right next to it. And it's the, uh, the rocket ship. But ultimately it's just like that pendulum one. Like it, it, it's like a pirate ship. It's like, you've seen it all places and all it does. It just goes up and down and and just like, yeah, like an arc. Yeah. And like, as we're getting off that one, I like threw up so much food (laughs) all over myself all over her, all over the ride. Like, they had to, like, shut the ride down. We had to go home. Like, it was a big deal. And, like, I had <laughs> totally forgotten about that until we talked about going to uh, amusement parks. Man, so that same ride, the looping Starship, and after all, it's a space shuttle, yeah. of course. Um, <laughs> Cousin Richard, who's, who's come up a lot Cousin on this Richard. podcast. Uh, the, the bar that goes over, yeah, I guess, wasn't tight enough on him. Uh-oh. Either be either because they didn't do it right, or he look. He's an obnoxious <laughs> kid. I mean, he may he may have been screwing with the guy and like puffed his stomach out or something to uh-huh. to make it loose. But it was loose. And uh, by the time the ride started on the first dip, like the bar is like like his neck. It's almost <laughs> like he was like like the bar is up to his neck and his legs are just dangling. Oh and man! Just, and just the screen because that thing goes fully upside down. Oh, and man. it got to a point where he's like, oh, my, help me, help me, stop this thing. <laughs> Did they stop it? No. They don't, <laughs> I can't look, they hear don't you. Stop those, they don't stop those things for anything, man. Whatever oh. whatever happened is going to happen. They'll deal with it when the ride is over. 
but I, I, I have never ever seen. I, I don't think they ever heed the call. No Did one you, ever stops the ride when they say, "Hey, stop the ride." They don't even have the ability to. It just goes until it's over. Um, <laughs> did did you ever have a uh, season tickets or anything like that? No, no. We 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 usually only ever really went once per summer mm-hmm. uh, or Christmas. I, I actually liked to go in the off in the non summer months. Like yeah. they the Halloween they had a they had they opened it for Halloween time. Yeah. Uh, they opened it around Christmas time, but. Like going to Six Flags in Texas in the summer is freaking brutal. Yeah. It is freaking brutal because you have to wait in a line for two hours just in the beaming heat. It's um and that's why they had those water rides too. Like we would between every two like regular rides, you go on a water ride and then you just get soaked. Like you're supposed <laughs> to just do the water rides or just do the regular rides because you're either there for water park fun or you're there for regular roller coaster fun but shoot astroworld in the summer in july you go to the water you go to water world you get soaked head to toe you're wearing shorts and, and t-shirt you're just soaked but that keeps you cool for the next three rides at, at regular <laughs> astroworld i um we are going way long but i don't care it's good to see you again uh, <laughs> that was my first job actually working at uh six flags and it's only one of two jobs that i got fired from I was so bad at Wait, that Wait, you got job. fired from Six Flags? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the reason I got fired was, like, sort of out of my control. Not really, but I didn't really care too much. I, I did in the moment, but looking back, like, um, I got a job. And it was actually, I felt bad because I'd gotten, like, hooked up to get that job. My, my mom, actually the lady that my mom, a wonderful woman named Carmen, um, that my mom worked for, that moved us to Dallas, knew somebody in the higher ups at Six Flags, knew I was looking for a job and like I went and applied and they pulled my my uh application. But basically the only thing that I was qualified for was uh park services, which is a very nice way of saying dumpsters. So like my <laughs> job <laughs> was to walk around like the very like you know the grand entrance. You go through the ticket counter booth or whatever and then there's like this gigantic plaza with like this fountain and flowers. And then on the other side of that, there's like the carousel, probably where Jim, Jim George threw up. Um, I probably cleaned that up, actually. No, I was already, I was already way gone. So I was 15 when this happened. Um, and my job was to push this gigantic, hot, smelly, like roller dumpster. And I'd have to go and just empty out all of the freaking like canisters. And it's like the last one that everybody dumps all their stuff in as they're leaving the park, too. So it's just like the the one third of it is just like Coke. It's like a it's like a super suicide. It's like the Coke, Dr Pepper, Diet Coke, Sprite, like slush in the bottom. <laughs> and the worst part of it was you have to wear these like red polos, and it's not like moisture wicking polos. It's like these like heavy dense like whatever the like thousand count sheet version of like <laughs> red polos is. It's like hot and then khaki shorts, but you had to wear white shoes, which was dumb, because you work on black asphalt, and you had to wear white socks, but you couldn't wear, like, ankle style. It had to be those, like, mid-calf, like, high uh, up on the way. So you're wearing white shoes with white socks. They're getting all scuffed up. I was wearing K-Swiss. That's when K-Swiss were a really big deal. <laughs> and, like, they got all gnarled. It was hot that summer. It was the worst job I ever had, and I got fired because I had a baseball tournament. And the whole point is, you have to work Saturdays and Sundays at... Six Flags, and when I took the job, I said, well, I actually play, like, select baseball. I'm unavailable on, like, most Saturdays and some Sundays, 
So like, can this work out? This is my available schedule. They're like, all right, we'll work with it. And there was a tournament that came up and like, I just didn't know. Like, I just thought they knew I had a tournament. Like I have a tournament. You should know that. And I didn't give anybody any notice. So I just like left for oh. my baseball tournament. <laughs> just assuming like, oh, I'll get a slap on the wrist. And when I came back, I came back in like full uniform. And the lady was like, oh, oh no. Like, you don't work here anymore. Like, I'm going to need your badge. And then I got like escorted out of the, of the like. Oh man, park. they grab you by the collar, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> I wasn't that bad, but it was like, oh, hey mom, like I don't work today. Um, but yeah, that was my experience working at a, a hot summer at Six Flags. It was awful. It was a terrible job. That's funny that you got hooked up with that terrible job. I also <laughs> got hooked up with a, I mean, not a terrible job, but I got hooked up with a job I was terrible at. Um, there was one summer during college, I was looking for a job and, uh, had trouble. I was kind of late to the party. So I think a lot of the summer jobs got filled up at the grocery stores or, or wherever, and uh, my dad is friends with the family that has the Ninfas restaurants. Oh, yeah. Mm, delicious. Good fajitas at Ninfas. Yes. And uh, so he talked to them and they goes, well, we got a location over by you guys. You know, he can go work there. And I was the worst waiter ever. <laughs> like I was bad. I was not good. I didn't know how to balance a tray. Uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't even use the tray stand. Like I would, yeah. I would bring the food on a tray and set it on a table and then I would shuttle the, the plates back and forth and I got <laughs> orders wrong. I mean, just it was so bad, but because I was kind of like their boy, they couldn't do anything to me. So like the, the family, oh. none of the family members, Ninfa family members actually worked at that location, but the, the managers knew that I was one of them. Like You're that, Fredo. Oh, they, You're the Ninfa family Fredo. sent him here. <laughs> So it's like no matter how bad he screws up, we can't really do anything with him. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 I showed them mercy. I quit after like three weeks, where they didn't have to fire me or, or anything. Well, it makes sense. You do your best work off balance. You said it earlier in this show. You need to be off balance to shoot. You probably had to be off balance to be a waiter. That's that's probably man. I hated it, man. I hated it. But uh, there was just one, there was one time I was working closing, and uh, someone did not pick up their massive to go order they just never came and got it and it was just me and the manager at that point the manager's like hey you can have this if you want man i <laughs> came home with like 10 pounds of fajitas <laughs> oh that's awesome um i feel like we got to get at least back on track and finish up this episode we've gone down such a rabbit hole it's been fun but man f arnold i don't even want to talk about him anymore <laughs> he became governor we, he became governor of california which is like it's just impressive it's another world where he just he climbed the mountain. We don't have to talk about it in depth, but we have to note that Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's the freaking man. He's the freaking man, man. Um, and then he fathered a child outside of wedlock with his uh, nanny. Well, you know, happens to the best of them. <laughs> That's going <laughs> to That's going to be the opener. <laughs> oh man. Well, welcome back, buddy. Um before we before we kind of do final thoughts and wrapping up, uh, anything else you wanted to, to talk about before we get to that? Uh, no, I think we can wrap this up now. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back, buddy. Uh, it'll be short. There'll be another hiatus because Alan actually has to go do. You know, I told everybody you were doing your uh, your floors, but because the storm rolled through, now you've got another date for that in the future. Um, 
that's going to happen before our uh, end of season two with 40. Guys, we're wrapping up this season. Um, so there's only a few more episodes left. We are on 30, what is today again? 36? Uh, 36. 36. Uh, we wrap up season two with episode 40. Um, thanks for hanging on with us, guys. Welcome back, Alan. Um, good to chat about Arnold. Good to chat about getting fired and not getting fired in your case because you know <laughs> you got the hookup yeah great 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 to be back i'm uh i feel comfortable here in my seat <laughs> all right buddy uh thanks for listening this week guys see you next time all right good night Thanks for listening to I Live the 90s. You can find past episodes along with the companion blog with photos on the website, ilivethe90s.com, 90s spelled out. You're also invited to join the private Facebook group. Lastly, you can listen to Alan and Brian on Apple or Spotify. If you subscribe or leave a comment, it helps more people discover the podcast. We really appreciate your support.